Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Glover's Talks, Somerset Live's weekly podcast discussing all things Yeovil Town. I'm your host, Josh Fordham, and joining me this week is Stephen Dalbiak. Hi well, Josh, you right? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Well, it's just the two of us today. Um, sadly, we couldn't rope another person into the podcast, but it'll be fine. Um, we've, sure got we can, we've got this, we've got this We're capable okay. of, uh, of uh, doing it by ourselves, so... Um, well, thanks to everyone who's listened to the podcast so far, and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Audio Boom. And throughout the week, um, also don't forget to check out the SomersetLive.co.uk website for all the latest Yeovil Town news. And it was a bit of a disappointing weekend for Glovers fans as the team slumped to a four-nil defeat away to Carlisle. So let's dive in and talk about the game shall we Stephen I mean 4-0 what was your your take on the game I think it's more a case uh, of what didn't go wrong to be honest with you I think it just the whole game just descended into a nightmare um, Yeovil made a good start I think for the first 5 or 10 minutes they, they really did take the attack to Carlisle and then as soon as Danny um, Danny Granger undid them with that wonder goal from mm. must have been 30-35 yards out their heads dropped and they never look like getting back into it at that stage. And it's a, it's a pattern that we've seen a lot of times where Yeovil go away from home, concede early on, and then don't really know how to react. And um, from that moment, and particularly when it went 2-0 just before half-time, there was never going to be any other result for, an, for a Carlisle win and a convincing one at that. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got to give credit to the Carlisle, that their first goal. I mean, maybe they could have got tight to him as we were talking about just before we came in. I mean, but you're not expecting him to, to ping it into the top corner from 35 no, yards from there. You, you can't take anything away from that strike. And, you know, if you put boots in the other foot, if you if, if that's a Yeovil player putting a ball in from that far out, you're, you're, you're praising him, you're saying what an unbelievable goal that is. You're not criticising the Carlisle defender for not closing him down. I think it's just one of those that, you know, once in a while somebody will produce a moment of magic like that and put a ball in the top corner from from 30, 35 yards out. It, the, the thing is how you react to that and don't you Oval just didn't react well enough to that. They What they should have done when that goal went in is they should have just carried on the way they started the game because they, they looked full of confidence, they looked ready to take the attack to Carlisle. But that goal it just snuffed, snuffed the Oval's attacking instincts out and they can't do that. They need to just forget about what's happened and, and treat the game as well, the same way that they started it. And from that moment on, they never looked like getting back into it. Yeah, so before the game, they came off, off the back of two or two good good performances, two good wins, um, sort of in the cup and in, in the league. And then, yeah, like you said, they uh, went a goal down and it just seemed to they lose all of that confidence and you sort of wonder where where that that went. So let, let's sort of take the, the other sort of three goals now. Do you think any of them were preventable, any sort of, bad defending from Yeovil or was it just good play by Carlisle? I think the second goal was very good play by Carlisle to be honest it was a very well worked passing move and I think it was Sean Miller who set up Hallam Hope the, the disappointment with that is that nobody really went to Hallam Hope and closed him down they were too busy focusing on Miller and really somebody should have sort of taken the initiative and gone out to Hope and tried to stop him putting it in the in the net and what was disappointing was that Carlisle did go 1-0 up, but really for the majority of the first half, it just Carlisle weren't creating anything either. Yeovil weren't creating, but it was very much, the game was really petering out. And it was in that last five minutes of the first half where Carlisle really began to get on top and it looked a nervy moment. And really all, all that needed to happen at that point was it for Yeovil to, to stay calm, to stay um disciplined and, and get it to half-time at 1-0. And if they'd done that, then it may have been a different game in the second half. We'll never know that. But 
they, they they did fall asleep and allow that ball to go to Hope, and um, he took the invitation to finish. And that was that was particularly disappointing to see because again, I think that's that's another thing that Yeovil have have been susceptible to doing is conceding just before half time, and that obviously when you concede that late on, then it changes your whole approach to the second half. Um, if I go forward, um, I think the third goal, and I'm sure we'll probably touch on that mm. again later yeah. on. I think you know, looking back at it, and now I've seen the footage, it's just a moment of madness by Bevis Mugabe. I don't really know what he was doing or what he was thinking. And um, again, you know, if you gift a penalty at two 0 down, then they're going to take that, and it's going to be game over. The fourth goal, yes, I think probably would have been preventable, but again, looking at it in the context of the game, three 0 down in the last minute, I think yeah, you know, your your head's your head's dropped by that point, I think, as a defender and um again, you know, it'd be interesting to see if that was maybe at one 0 or one 0 in the ninetieth minute, whether Yeovil would have defended better, because I think there is always that tendency when you know the game's beyond you that you do quite often concede another one late on because there's nothing really left to play for. Um but it was disappointing. I think the, the problem has been just generally away from home just how how poor the defending is compared to at home because if you look at the home form it it's only six goals conceded in eight matches away from home it's 27 conceded in nine and that's a huge huge difference and if you're in that you can, you can be as good as you like at home but if you're going away from home and being beaten and being beaten convincingly every week you're never going to be sort of beyond that position in the table that you have a while, which is really sort of a lower mid-table position. And the, the squad that they've got suggests they're capable of being better than that. Yeah, I mean, 27 goals in um, nine away games. It's three a game that Yeovil are shipping, which is completely sort of unacceptable. And you look at some of the goals, I think this week you say, well, penalty, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. The first goal... Yeah, we can't really do an awful lot about that. But the other two goals, you can maybe say defensive errors. It's particularly the last goal, like you said, heads have dropped. Maybe not read too much into it, but he, the, the the Carlisle player was the quickest to react to that, um, to what happened in the box there. So you've got to think, how are you going to going to solve it away from home? At home, they're absolutely fine. They've got one of the best home records one of the best defensive records at home they're averaging I think like you said six goals in the what's it, eight or nine games they've played at home which is less than a goal a game if they yeah. had that form away then you'd be looking at sort of near the top of the table yeah, I'm happy to be corrected if I'm wrong but I can't see there being another team in, in England at the moment you know, it's such a contrasting sort of run of form home and away I think there was one critical mistake that was made before the game and that was um, the decision that Darren Way took to change the formation and go to three at the back or a five-man defence depending on wh- whether you class um, Tom James and Bevis Mugabe as wing-backs or full-backs and I just think did he actually need to do that? Did he tr- need to try and you know react to what he thought Carlisle were going to do? I think if you go come off the back of a win like they got against um, Southend, which you know they played four three three, they played exceptionally well, and they deserve to beat the Southend team in a higher division. And I know you're going away, and I know the tendency is to be a bit more defensive away from home. But really, he could, I, I think he could maybe have stuck to his guns and just gone four three three, same same team, same uh, setup mm-hmm. as against Southend, and really gone for it and see whether that had 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 a, an impact. They did change the formation at half time when two or more sort of standard four four two, but by that point the game's already beyond them and um I think that's it's one thing I'm, I'm 
I don't want to be too critical of Darren Way for changing the formation because the big criticism that was levelled at him last year was that he didn't do it enough because he mm. did stick with a four three three for for far too long. But I think sometimes it's it's about knowing, and I'm sure it will come with experience for him. Mm. As he, you know, he's still a relatively inexperienced manager, but it will come about knowing when to when to stick with the same shape and when to change it. And I think that the key thing with Saturday was that I don't think there was really a need for him to change from a system that mm. was so good against Southend. And I think that that could have contributed to their downfall. Yeah, it's kind of seen a rock and a hard place. People criticising him last season for not changing it, and then he's he's changing it now. He's sort of preempting what the opposition will do. But then, like you said, there wasn't really a need to change it because they come off the back of two wins. The team was playing well. The team was full of confidence. Stick with what you, what you've got. That formula's working, and it's if you're a team in a higher division where you've got very good quality at the back and these players all can adapt to the change in formations. But when they've been slightly lacking in sort of that experience and that, that quality at the back this season, changing formation is quite a hard thing, I think, for them to do. And I think that's probably where they suffer. Just not, not knowing the formation, just not having the experience of, of playing in that style. I think the key was with the three central defenders because in recent weeks uh, and a lot, a lot of praise has gone um, has gone their way for it, but it's the, the partnership that Omar Swimney has built up with Nathan Smith in the centre of defence is was massive in um, in Yeovil's last two wins. You know, Swimney's come on leaps and bounds since he was given that run as a defender alongside Smith. You know, the improvement that he's shown has been drastic, and you you put Sid Nelson in there and make it a a defensive three, and what you do is you really disrupt the partnership that. Smith and um, Swimney have built up. I know Nelson was on the right of the defensive three on Saturday, but again, you're you're going from working with one person to working with two, and I think maybe if you're inexperienced like Swimney is, to have to um, to have to suddenly cope with working in a three rather than a two, you know, it does probably disrupt your rhythm more than we've seen in recent games because what they've done generally, and I know they've played three at the back a couple of times in previous games, but generally it's been a 4-4-2 or a 4-3-3. But the constant with that is you've always got the mm. two defenders. You're Generally, you have the same pairing there and they know each other. And I don't... And I see what Darren was trying to do because Carlisle are a physical team. It's a tough trip for them to make. But I think maybe in hindsight, that was just... It was just the wrong thing to do. I think they probably mm. should have just kept it. Swimney and Smith because they worked so well together in recent games. Yeah, hindsight is a is a wonderful thing with those those sort of things. I mean, you appreciate the sort of the idea from Darren. He's trying to trying to match the opposition and trying to counteract their strengths, and it, it just didn't work. And you, you guess you got to take it as one. Yeah, it didn't work. He learns from that experience. Um, another person who you hope will learn from his experience is uh, Beavis Mugabe um, for his. Red card. I mean, what was your take on what? What? Just first of all, she was saying what? Ex- what exactly happened? Well, there? what happened? I mean, I'll take it back to when it did happen because none of us in the press box, you know, I don't think anybody really knew what had happened mm-hmm. because Jordan Green made a rash tackle on a Carlisle player. It was the exact moment. I mean, it may have been a second or two after, and all of our attention was on that tackle. Jordan Green was booked, and mm-hmm. so it looked like it was going to be a Carlisle free kick. And then all of a sudden, you see the referee go over to his linesman call over Bevis Mugabe and send them off and give Carlisle a penalty and everyone was a bit confused. Mm. I know we were we were just talking about ourselves in the press box and we were always going to each other going, what happened? Mm. And nobody really knew. <clears throat> so it was a bit of a, a bizarre one to really 
sort of reporting at the time because none of us had really seen it. But what it turns out from the um, the highlights footage is that he was um, tussling with Hallam Hope um, when uh, a cross came in, and then it was after the ball was cleared, it sort of continued, and you see very clearly that Mugabe raises his fist and um, and strikes Hope in the back of the head and. Really, when you look at it at that, he's bound to rights. It, it is a penalty because it's taken place before the Jordan Green foul, and it is a red card because you can't you can't do that on a football pitch. And I, I don't know what he was thinking. It was um, it's obviously a heat of the moment reaction that he's had. He's obviously unhappy of the way that he's being tackled, but it's just so unnecessary to do it. You know, if you do that and you get caught, you're going to get sent off. And I don't think it would have made too much difference to the overall result. I think Carlisle would always have won the game. But when you when you gift somebody an invitation like that, a penalty, and to get yourself sent off at two 0 down, then you you know that that is game over. Yeah, exactly. They the overall were two 0 down at the <clears> time. If whatever hope they had of getting back into the game was just completely eliminated there, because you're down to ten men and they have an absolute gift of a goal then, which is yeah, it's just stupid. Um, decision whatever was going through his head at the time I mean it's these things happen on a football pitch other players are trying to sort of wind you up you don't know what's been said but you just got to ignore it and don't leave your team 10 men down it's quite sort of disappointing to see especially with what happened in previous weeks I as think well. it's yeah, I think it's an experience thing with, with Mugabe and he, he's shown it before I remember I covered a game the game at Doncaster last year where he got sent off the two quite silly Bookings. Uh, he's given away a couple of rash penalties as well, if I um, if I remember right. And it's um, it's taken nothing away from him because he's a very talented footballer. He's had to go from being a centre back to being a right back, which I, I'm not sure he's found that adjustment the easiest thing to do. But he's certainly been improving and been learning that role and growing into it. Mm. And I think if you if you look at those Mugabe probably two three years down the line, he'll be a very very good defender. But it's this sort of this. Sort of indiscipline, really, that you can't get away with it at this level. You can you can be forgiven for doing it maybe once or as a young player, but you need to learn from that. And you one thing you can't do if you're tussling with somebody is you cannot you cannot raise your arm and hit somebody in the face. You cannot have that kind of physical contact because there's no defence against it. If you're caught, you're getting sent off. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether you've been provoked or anything. You it's just you just cannot do it, and it, it's. It's a problem when Yeovil have a small squad, when they've already got suspensions in Zeko and Olamola. You can't be losing players to such silly mm. things as that. And it is silly because there's no need for it. And thankfully, um, Zeko and Olamola only have one game left of their ban, so they won't be left too, um, too short-staffed, if you like. But Yeovil didn't fill their bench at Carlisle. And you've, then, automatically, you've got another player mm. that's... Um, it's taken out of that, so you're yeah. looking at five subs potentially against Swindon. If um, if Ryan Dixon, um, providing that Ryan Dixon is, is back or not, because you know, whether he's back or not will depend. And even then, you're probably looking at six men on the bench yeah. again, which you don't really want to have mm. if you can afford it. And if you look at all three red cards as well, you'd say that they're all entirely preventable. Olamola got involved in a sort of a, in a scrap that turned into sort of a mass sprawl. Um, sort of both players mm. from. Either team sent off, and then Zoko, some whatever reason, decided to tackle this ridiculous tackle on a player. Just another stupid sending off. So it's entirely their own making. I mean, do you think there is just a bit of lack of discipline? Is there a few players that may be a bit hot-headed 
and just don't have the experience at this I level. You yet. certainly see it with Mugabe, and you've seen it, I've seen it with Olomola before. They are, they are, you know, they they are passionate players. They, you know, they 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 want to win, and you can admire that. You know, they, you know, they're determined. They're young, and you know, they have admirable qualities about them. There's no doubt about that. You know, and I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, and really tear them up to pieces about it, but. I think the tendency is, and you've seen it, you see it at all levels. But young players sometimes, when they have that, they don't always know how to curb that aggression or curb that that sort of that fight and will that they have. And um, sometimes they cross the line. The key thing is when they do that and they suffer the consequences, which is a red card and a suspension. Then um, they need to learn from that and make sure that when they um, when they come back, that they learn that self control and that they don't do it again. I think we've seen it at all levels. I mean, Deli Ali is a perfect example in the Premier League of somebody who he's been sent off a couple of times for mm. what you call violent conduct or what you call just losing your head at the, you know, just because of that will to win or because you're wound up. And um, you, one thing you can't afford to do is get a reputation for being like that because if you get a reputation of somebody who's easily wound up, who will react to, you know, being provoked and will do that, then other teams will target that and they'll begin to think, well, if we wind. If we wind this guy up, he might react, and we might get him sent off. And um, it's it's a weakness that will be exploited if um, they continue to show that. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's it's one thing that yeah, like, like I said, it's entirely preventable, and you don't want the overall players to suddenly be those targets of getting wound up by the opposition and them losing more players to red cards. I mean, three red cards in the space of what. Is that three games now? Yeah. That's that's a really poor uh, poor record to have for, for red cards. I mean, you wouldn't expect three red cards across the whole season. Really. Yeah, I think you I think before the Stevenish game, I I mean I was, I've been covering the team full time for well since last December mm. and there'd only been one red card in between mm. between then and the Stevenish game and all of a sudden in three games you've seen three red cards. Sometimes sometimes you're unlucky, sometimes you go for a challenge and you misjudge it and you have to go over the laws of the game or sometimes you're you're wrongly sent off but I don't think you can really argue with either of the three reds I know that the club were unhappy with Olamola's red card but at the same time the footage does show his leg flailing around and so you know the, if you look at it that way then you've almost even if you don't make contact then you give the referee a reason to send you off the same with Zoko I mean Zoko from my understanding, didn't make contact with uh, Stevenish player, but he had his boot mm. in a position that gave him the opportunity to go down and claim that he had, mm. and it gives the referee the opportunity to send you off. And I think you have to you have to learn that self control, and you also just have to be a little bit more streetwise. I think at times and mm. know the game situation and know what you can, what you can, and what you can't get away with. And it's a shame because I'm sure they will come back, and I'm sure you know in the case of Mugabe and Olomola, they'll come back better players for that experience. You hope. Yeah, I think with especially with Mugabe's red card, um, it was an away game. It was at Carlisle. It's I feel sorry for the fans, and you've got to respect the fans. The fact that they've travelled such a long way to be there, and you've got to show them the respect, and you've got to give everything. I mean, it might be a case if he's given almost too much, he's caring an awful lot about it. So that's what's happened. But you've got to make sure every time you go out, as particularly on these games where the fans have travelled such a long way that you're putting on that shirt for a reason and you're giving everything while in that shirt. I mean, I know you've sort of drilled down into some of the figures about sort of what the costs have been 
for a Yeovil Town fan so far this season. I mean, we've talked about how bad, um, how badly they've played away from home. I mean, out of the nine games they've played, they've lost seven of them. I mean, do you want to run through the the stats quickly now? I, I can, yeah. Uh, I've, this is taken from the Green and White Supporters um, Club, who operate away travel to games and um, also the ticket prices of um, of each away club that Yeovil have played at. And um, it comes to if you, assuming you're an adult and you go to the games, go to if you've been to every game on a coach and you bought a ticket adult price for every game then it's cost £412 to go to all nine Yeovil games and that's obviously before you take in any um, any food any drink any programmes or anything else that you may buy when you're there and really you have to give the fans a lot of credit because that's a heck of a commitment to make I mean with the cost of well the space of three months that's like £140 a month almost you're looking at and that's a huge commitment and the fans you know it's the dedication of the fans you know you can't admire that enough and to see 91 people make that journey which is 337 miles from Hewish Park to Brunton Park I mean it's a massive massive commitment and really the fans aren't getting a value for money on the road at the moment and it's it's a real shame I mean I'm a I'm a Yeovil supporter myself and um, you know I'm lucky enough that I get to go to these games and I don't have to pay for that and you know driving back from Carlisle you know I was you know I was gutted I was really you know disappointed really deflated mm. by what I'd seen and you know that's without having to factor in the fact that I I hadn't paid for what's 57 pounds for the coach ticket and a match ticket would have cost mm. me you know it's it's a real commitment and you can understand why the fans are so frustrated because they work hard all week they spend their money to go and support their team you know you, you obviously know what deals your football you know you're not always going to get a good performance. You know you're not always going to get the result that you want. But when you're seeing a team get beaten so consistently on the road and being beaten so so well, really, by other teams, then it really is, yeah, it really is difficult to to swallow to swallow that. And really, I mean, for for 91 people to go to Carlisle, you I mean you you can't speak highly enough of that. You know, it's a great effort, and they fully deserve, you know, all the, you know, appreciation that they get from that. And it was really heartening, I thought, to see on Saturday that when the um, the announcer at the ground said there were 91 fans there, the Carlisle crowd actually, you know, applauded that. And it's, um, you know, they have to travel a long way, they've spent a lot of money and they deserve that credit. It's just a shame that, you know, that the team aren't, haven't been able to give them something to cheer about, really. Yeah, I, I think... It- there's no incentive then for Yeovil fans to travel to away games. If you think, if I'm looking at the the fixtures and how sort of how they've done so far this season, you think, well, odds on they're going to lose what eighty percent of games they've lost away from home, sort of roughly, and they've drawn one one one. So, am I justified in spending that much money to go and see them? I mean. Probably not. It's quite, it's a it's a lot of money to spend, and then the team does also suffer in the end as well. Because when you're away from home, when you're travelling 300 miles, you need that away support as well to sort of give you a bit of a lift and sort of have that voice behind you. Because the home fans are going to be in, in good voice, and then you need your away support to be there as well, yeah. almost backing you up and giving you that sort of motivation boost. If you don't have any fans, I mean, full credit to all the fans who went there, but. Ninety-one fans can't make a make an awful lot of noise. Well, they, they, they did though. To be fair, mm. certainly at the beginning of the game, when we were sat in the same stand as the away fans on Saturday, and they 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 really did get behind the team early on. It was only really when Carlisle got the second goal, and you know, I think everybody got a little bit deflated, and the second half was a bit quieter. You could hear the frustration 
there. But yeah, I, I mean, you really, for fans that are going to these games at the moment, you know, I can't speak highly enough of them because it's not just been this season. I think results over the last three or four years have consistently not been where the club want them to be. Um, and that has had a knock-on impact on attendances. I mean, the, the crowds at Hewish Park have massively reduced. I mean, almost by you're probably getting less than half the number of people who were at the games in the Championship year. And um, so it really is for you know the real hardcore, real dedicated fans. You know, they're supporting the team through thick and thin. It's great to see. And I think the disappointment is, which is when you see the contrast and you see how well the team have been playing at home you know there is that disappointment because you think you, you see the home form and you think this is quite a good team this is a team that you know if they get if they really get going can cause any team in this division problems but you just have that feeling and that sense of foreboding that when you go away from home and they concede early on that they're not going to get back into it mm. and if you want a perfect example in the next two games you will have her at home against Swindon and Notts County both teams right up there in League 2 Notts County are leading League Two, but I wouldn't be surprised if Yeovil went and beat them at Hewish Park. Mm. You know, I really think, genuinely think they got a chance of getting something from either of those games. But then the Saturday after that, they go to they go away to Wickham, and I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, I can't see them getting anything mm. from that game. And it's they're two different yeah. teams basically, the home yeah. team and the away team. They are polar opposites, and you wouldn't think that they are the same players. And it's it's baffling almost at what is such a big change is it might just be a mental thing it's got to this stage that at yeah. home they're confident but away they're going into the game a bit a bit negatively I mean you just don't know really it's hard to put your finger on what's happening yeah I mean, I, and I think what you've got to do as a player you've got to find a way to just not really worry about where you are just go out and play football it doesn't matter whether you're home or away you know it's, it's, it's the same thing you're playing football you're playing against another team I know that there are some things that are different like your preparation and everything like that but once you're on the pitch you've got to try and find a way to detach yourself from where you are you don't think oh I'm playing at a huge park or I'm playing away just take the same attitude the same sort of mentality mm. into the game and, and find a way to try and reproduce the form we've been showing at home and um, I, I don't think there's really any sort of magic answer to that I mean it's it's down to the manager at the end of the day he's got to the manager and the coaching team have got to be able to motivate the players and find a way to to do that and um, I mean even on Saturday again the sort of some of the feelings that there have been shown towards Downwell and social media have obviously gone away with the two wins but losing Saturday and some of those come back and it's only going to take another couple of defeats and those feelings will start coming back from a lot of fans you know they've got to but by Downwell's by no means you know sort of turn the corner if you like mm. based on these two games and he's really got to find a way away from home to try and get the team to grind out results it can be sort of boring nil nils you know or scrape a one nil win fans mm. won't mind if they see the team playing well and getting results they won't mind but I mean one of the, the really I think damning stat in that is it's 27 goals in nine away games but there's only been one away game this season in which the team hasn't conceded at least two goals mm-hmm. on the road and if you're conceding two goals, then you really have your work cut out to get anything from the game. Yeah, ab- absolutely. But we probably shouldn't forget that it wasn't all doom and gloom for Yeovil fans going to Carlisle um, at the weekend. They had a bit of a treat, didn't they? Um, courtesy of, of the club. 
They did. They got a free pie and a pint, and I think this is this is superb. It's a great gesture from the club. They did it last season um, as well, and I think it's it's really good to have the club show their appreciation to the fans because as, as we've touched upon, they haven't had a huge amount to cheer, mm. which is a huge commitment. It's a huge amount of travel they have to do to get to games, and particularly Carlisle, which is renowned as the longest away trip for the club. Um, so I think it's great, you know, just to as a little thank you to say, come on, have a pie, have a pint on us. And, um, you know, unfortunately, the football wasn't, you know, what they wanted. But I think it, it's good. And I think it's something the club have made stri- big strides in in recent times about, you know, trying to make the fans feel more appreciated, particularly the fans that go to away games. I remember at Hartlepool last year, they went over and they shook hands with all of the fans that made the journey. And um, it's those little touches that... Yes, the results may not be there, but it, it's good to see the club doing things to to really just almost as a gesture of appreciation for the effort that these fans do make. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great gesture from the club. Um, it was a shame about the results for the fans, I'm sure. Um, even a free pie in the pint wouldn't have helped with with the result, but it's a, it's a, it's a great thing to do and um, sort of it makes the fans feel just a bit more appreciated that they've made the effort, they've spent that money and they're getting they're getting something back almost from the club. So no, it's a great, great gesture. Um we should probably look ahead towards the Swindon game at the weekend then. I mean Swindon are flying high in the vision, it's gonna be a really yeah. tough game. But like we've said, Yeovil are going great guns at home. I mean, um so first of all should we go through team news? Um so we have three suspensions still. So yep. we've got Olamola Zoko um, serving their final game and then we've got Mugabe who starts its three game suspension um, is there any other um, injuries picked up from the weekend or any other the only other question players? mark I would say would be over Ryan Dixon because he dropped out of the um, the game at Carlisle late on through illness he he didn't seem too bad on Saturday he was commentating for BBC but it, it just depends what that is whether it's a virus or whether it's something like that or just whatever really the, the problem was there um, it's um so that's a potential one. Um, it was good to see Jordan Green and Johnny Madison back on the bench, and Jordan Green came on because he's been out for a, for a, probably a good month now, and um, he can play up front if you will need that second striking option. So that's good to see. I think unless they pick up any further injuries this week, I think that's probably what you're looking at. I, I, I'd imagine Dixon will be back in the squad. Mm-hmm. So. If it can just be raised free, I think that Yeovil will be quite happy with that, and it means they'll at least be able to almost fill the bench mm. in that respect. Yeah, um, is that like like you touched on earlier? With um, you kind of feel a bit confident going into the game. I mean, maybe confidence isn't quite the right word, but they they're doing really well at home. They've beaten some of the some good some good sides at home as well. Um, they're right up there in terms of home form with some of the best in the, the league. I mean, when we looked last week, they were about sixth, so they're sort of looking at playoff places for for home form. I mean, how do you rate uh, your overall chances against Swindon, really? I, I, I think I, I can easily see them getting something from the game because Swindon, and I'll, I'll mention Notts County as well because they're another high-flying team coming a few days later on. Mm. They're the sort of team that I think uh, Hewish Park should probably play to Yeovil's strengths because they're, they're flying high, they're full of confidence. They, they will no doubt come and look to attack Yeovil. And that's when the space opens up behind and that's when the 
striking mean, like of Khan and, and Brown and Serridge can really <laughs> find that space and uh, create chances themselves. And I think the big boost for Notch County is that obviously Joko and um, Olomola will be back mm. and hopefully, you know, energised from having a couple of weeks off. So I, I can see them getting something from, from those games. Whether they'll win or not is, uh, you know, it's another matter. But I think certainly, you know, if I'd more than fancy you with chances of getting at least a point Mm. at Swindon and Swindon should be quite a good atmosphere as well because they'll bring quite a few fans yeah, it's, it's quite a local far, game yeah. for them so you'd like to think there'll be a bigger crowd than we've seen in recent games and um, I think that's what should hopefully give a bit of a boost because uh, obviously crowds have been dropping but the last two home performances have been good and um, mm. that's what you want to see you want to see more fans in there you want to see you know, it's not a local derby. I wouldn't class it as a derby, but it's quite a you know, it's a reasonably local game. Hopefully, there'll be a bit of an edge to it, and um, you'll really see both teams go and attack each other. And um, I think we'll have quite an entertaining game. And for way over playing, I certainly wouldn't bet against them. Mm. Yeah, and they're scoring quite a few goals at home as well, and that's what the fans want to see. They want to see attacking football. They want to see goals. Um, so hopefully, they'll get that. I think. Out of the two games, because Notts County's on the Tuesday after the Swindon game, if they can get. Three points from those two games as a, a win and a, and a defeat. If they lose one of those two games, I think fans will be happy. Even coming out of it, maybe with two two draws, I think, up, it would be Yeah, I not think so three bad. points wouldn't be too bad. I think you'd probably rather say four, just from the fact that you want to keep the unbeaten run up yeah. and then win one of the games. But I certainly think if they, if they were to, to beat Swindon and then lose to Notts County, mm. then I think overall you could say that's been a pretty decent week Definitely, for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and they're two two really tough games in the space of four days, so it's going to be a real test of of the squad's home form and how they're playing at home, and also with the the depth of the squad as well. I mean, it will be a big boost having Olamola and Zoko back. It'll be um, they'll be fresh, they'll be re- ready and raring to go. So that's going to be good. Um, so I guess what's your broad prediction for Saturday then? <clears throat> oh, do I? No, I'm not going to sit on the fence and go for a draw again. I've done that too much <laughs> lately. Um, I say two on Yeovil. Go I'm going to go for a two, two all draw. I think that Yeovil will score, um, but I think they might concede a couple as well. But we'll see. Um, so before we finish uh, for this week, we should talk about some very exciting news, particularly if you're fans of uh, 1980s and 1990s pop, as we have. Uh, steps coming to Hewish Park, but not only steps. We also have Aha as well. I mean, Stephen, what do you make it's of this a news? Crazy this... morning, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, too big. I'll, I'll be honest. I never thought I'd see the day where I'd come in in the morning as a Yeovil Town or sports reporter, and my first two stories I'd write would be about Aha and steps. And it's um, surprised even myself. But <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's. Um, it may may not be everyone's cup of tea, the music, but I think it's great. It's the club. Uh, Obviously, see Hewish Park as a way that they can generate money in the summer and bring some, you know, bring people into the club and bring um, and bring revenue in. So I think, from that point of view, it's great. And to have them having both concerts on the same weekend, not as it, it's not a festival or anything like that, but it's two separate concerts on the same weekend. I think it's a it's a really good way for the club to, and it's really sort of it's good way for it's good to see them using their initiative to to bring this sort of mm. money in, and and no doubt, you know, too such renowned bands as they were in their era um, I'm sure plenty of people want to go and see them yeah absolutely and we mustn't forget that Aqua and Blue will also be supporting Steps I forget as Blue. well oh what an absolute 90s throwback so oh, it's 
be great. Yeah, I think it's great. It's it shows they're they're thinking outside the box a little. I mean, I know they had the um, the name escapes me of the sort of the monster truck thing. Nitro Circus. Nitro Circus. That's yeah. the one. They had that mm-hmm. last year. Um, I mean, they were a bit unfortunate with the weather. Um, they sort of got rained out the first day, and then they were able to come back the following day. But it shows they're thinking about different ways to get revenue for the club. And this is closed season as well, um, so it's it, it's a good it's a good ploy by the club. And having it on the same weekend as well, I guess, means that they save sort of costs as well for getting in people and sort of having the stage and minimises disruption for that. So. No, um, sort of check out the Somerset Live website for details on how to buy tickets for those those two concerts. Sure, place to be rocking. I think it's probably the only time you ever hear Barbie Girl sung on a terrace, <laughs> won't it? Yeah, oh, it's uh, yeah, it'd be great. <clears throat> See if you can work it. I'm just trying to think if you can work in Barbie Girl into a, a football chant, but no. I think you'd probably be uh, be forcibly removed from the ground. I think yeah, before you could. It's uh, a bit of a dangerous you know, one to try and start, isn't it? But, um, I think if you're going to do that, play safe for a plenty of uh, well-known <laughs> songs you can adapt. Absolutely. Um, so now I think we'll finish there for this week. Um, thanks for everyone who's listened so far, and don't forget to check out the Somerset Live website during the week. There's a Yeovil Town tab um, <clears throat> on the homepage where you can find out all the latest sports news coming out of Hewish Park and don't forget to subscribe on Audio Boom and iTunes to this podcast um, so thanks very much okay cheers ik vind een punt van 2GB stiekem meer dan genoeg Nu 2 gig data met een 0 minuten bel en sms bundel voor maar 9 euro per maand. Omdat het kan. Check tele2.nl voor de beste deal voor jou. Niet omdat het moet, maar omdat het kan.